You are listening to Cape Shit, a podcast taking a chronological and often spoiler-heavy look into the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, one film at a time. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. Meet the sulky, over-funky, kinda hunky superhero A two-fisted and electrically transistored superhero An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero The Marvel superheroes have arrived Superpowered from the forehead to the toes Watch them change their very shape before your nose See arcane striking superhero change to Viking superhero A-ha-fling and real swing and shield fling and superhero They're the latest, they're the greatest, ultimate superheroes The Marvel superheroes have arrived Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard All right, and welcome to episode four of Cape Shit, the podcast in which I and a rotating cast of friends, apparently, discuss, mostly ignorantly, the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Today we are going to be discussing Thor from 2011, but before we get to that, I'm Daniel, uh, and I'm running this shindig, apparently. I also have my uh, regular co-host, Lee. Say hi, Lee. How's it going? And our uh, returning guest host, Carrie. Say hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Cheers, everybody. Yeah, no problem. Um, ever since uh, the last episode when you uh, revealed how uh, many times you had watched this series, I knew that you were going to be a uh, a regular co-host if you chose to be. So uh, thank you uh, for coming back. Yeah, so again, we are going to be covering uh, Thor today. This was released on May 6th, 2011 in the United States. It goes on according to the weekend uh, box office uh, charts. It ends up grossing... Uh, God, I don't have that link up because I did not put so- this properly. Its ultimate box office was $449 million. <laughs> $449 million worldwide. Domestic is $181 million, which puts it very near the bottom of the Marvel Cinematic Universe grossing list. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top five the weekend it was released were Thor at number one, Fast Five was second, Ugh. Jumping the Broom was number three, Something what? Borrowed was number four. Uh, those are two romantic comedies, in case you don't necessarily know what those were. <laughs> I had Great. to look them up. Uh, Rio was number five. If this helps to kind of jog your memory a little bit more about where we were, the week after this, Bridesmaids uh, came out in the United States, and that that was the uh, massive uh, kind of raunchy female-led comedy Kristen Wiig uh, hit. So. Right. That's where we are culturally. Uh, we're going to be talking about Thor. Which one is this? This is the one that introduces Thor and Loki and Asgard and space magic into this universe. I think that's uh, again, Natalie Portman's in it. Uh, that, that's that's the one we're talking about today. Carrie, let's start with you. Uh, when was the first time you saw this film, and what do you think of it? I definitely saw it in the theater when it first came out, and again, like I said, I've seen it many times since. And um, I really, really enjoy it. Like as a, f- I, I can understand it not doing super well, like in the uh, grand scheme of the Marvel movies, because they were just kind of still getting their groove, and nobody really, like, I guess some people like everyone knows who Thor is, the god of thunder, kind of thing. But to have him as a superhero, kind of might have messed with some people's minds, and that might have had to do with uh, that whole thing. But yeah, just overall, 
it, it holds up remarkably well. The effects and everything and the frost giants and all that stuff. It great, great movie. I like it a lot. Awesome. Uh, Lee, when what are your uh, when's the first time you saw it and what are your uh, general thoughts? I don't know when I first saw this. I know it was quite a bit after uh, it was released. So it was probably uh, like on Netflix or something like that when I, I finally got around to watching it. I knew its sort of reputation of being like one of the quote-unquote lesser Marvel films. And so I wasn't super pumped to actually watch it. And I wasn't like a big fan of Thor when I used to read comic books or anything like that anyway. So it's like, yes. I could probably do a pass on this, but watching it and it's been a long time since I rewatched it. I just rewatched it uh, yesterday for the podcast and there's some definite good stuff in this. I'm not as enthusiastic about it as Carrie uh, is. In fact, I'll probably contest a couple of the things he's, he just said. I think it does a pretty fight, good job. Fight, 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 <laughs> I think it does a pretty good job though of, like you said, introducing space magic into the Marvel universe. It sort of expands things sort of gives you a bit more um, of a playground to sort of play with in future films, opens the doors for stuff like Doctor Strange in kind of a big way, even though they probably had no idea they were doing Doctor Strange at this point. And yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get into it, but I generally like it. Um, I'm not a big super fan of it or anything like that, but uh, I think it does some things well and we'll get into it. So, uh, my feeling is I rewatched this last night and the more I thought about it, the less I liked this film, quite honestly. And that said, I, so I did not see this in theaters. I would have been something like Lee. I saw it at some point on television or some streaming service or something. I had forgotten just how much time we spend on Asgard at the beginning Oof. because I had kind of remembered it as like, Oh, it's like when uh, the MCU decided to do like a romantic comedy fish out of water story and, you know, all the nerds complained because there wasn't enough, like, boy stuff in it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I remember that being a thing uh, among kind of the, the larger fandom. But I think that was just upon seeing the trailer, people were upset about that, as opposed to it being, like, a, a response to the film. Because I remember the early ads kind of focused on the, like, Natalie Portman finding a Thor in the, you know, in the, the kind of that hospital scene where he, like, gets a needle shoved in his ass and all that sort of thing. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, that was sort of my cultural memory of it. Coming back to it now, I mean, I did kind of look up, um, just kind of read some of the Wikipedia stuff on this film. Uh, this was in development hell for 20 years. Um, Sam Raimi was originally going to direct this in like 1991. And I think it has a lot of the earmarks of that, just in the sense of it's got a lot of stuff. There are a lot of moving parts, but it kind of doesn't all fit together all that well. But I would like to start with Carrie because he seems to be by far the most positive on this film. And uh, I know we do have at least some people listening who really love this film. And so I'd rather kind of get the good stuff first and then you can shut it off before I, I kind of give my issues with it or maybe try to convince me where I'm wrong, uh, that this is, that this is uh, kind of not basically a, a mess with some charming people in it. I'm not even sure where to start with that. Um, yeah, just like, I don't know, again, just the way it brings... I agree with you that the effects mostly hold up. I agree with you that uh, I think Chris Hemsworth is really charming. I think Kat Dennings is like a real superstar of this Anthony film. Hopkins, always Anthony great. Hopkins is great. Um, Idris Elba, not given a lot to do, but I think he's great. Um, Middleton as Loki, like... Yeah, yeah I Loki is one of my big problems with the whole franchise, to be really? honest. But uh, uh, we, we can get to that uh, shortly, and, I, and that may very well be the, kind of the the big thing. Is like I just kind of don't buy 
Loki. I, I think, you know, if there's kind of one issue with me is that, you know, it's kind of trying to be a film about this sort of Shakespearean, pseudo Shakespearean drama between like Thor and Loki and fathers and sons and the elder and the younger. And, you know, one's kind of big and strong and a jock and one's the, the more kind of conniving, you know, trickster character. And I just don't buy Loki. There's just not enough time spent on that. To uh, to really kind of sell it for me, I feel like the the way they did it. Even I'll give you that. But if you're any kind of a fan of the comics, Loki and Thor both were written fucking perfectly. Like if you ever watched, uh, there's a really good uh, cartoon called uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and it's kind of like the Justice League cartoon that was back on the day, and it does this ju- the, the comics coming to life kind of thing. And <clears throat> Loki in that show is the same kind of Loki you basically see on screen. And it's just, I thought that was done really, really well. And this, the, the whole, again, like bring the space magic and everything to mm-hmm. light, and just kind of adding on to that. Like, what was it at the end of Hulk where they showed the, the end scene was like them going to the desert and the hammers there. Right. Right. I, I saw, again, I saw Hulk in the theater. If I saw that and I was just like, I, I like a lot of people, no, nobody would really made any noise. And back then, people didn't all know to stay till the end, so there wasn't that many people. But I was the only one that was like, "Yeah, yeah!" Like they're bringing Thor; it's gonna happen. Because like, yeah, I was, I love Thor, man. I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm. That's probably a big part of it too. Spider-Man's my number one, but Thor sure. is definitely one of my favorite superheroes. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I think I think we also may kind of run into the issue that I come at this not as a fan of the comics, uh, as being someone kind of largely ignorant of the of the larger kind of comic stuff, and so uh, kind of like my exposure to Thor prior to this was Adventures in Babysitting. Um, if you remember <laughs> the uh, late '80s uh, Elizabeth Shue film, in which she vaguely yeah she babysits a little girl who's obsessed with thor and then like this guy who's played by vincent d'onofrio shows up at the end of that film and mm-hmm. he uh kind of uh, is thor uh i tried to rewatch adventures in babysitting a few years ago because it showed up on netflix and it was just horrifyingly racist in the first 10 minutes and i went yeah no I'm not, i don't need this in my life right now but um, <laughs> but, but uh back to thor um lee uh kind of general thoughts i guess on, on kind of the conversation so far yeah, I think I think my biggest problem with this, it's it's not it's not Loki and stuff like that. Like I, I actually I like the themes of it. I like the father son Shakespearean stuff. I mean, it's not super deep or anything like that, but I think it's played out fairly well. And as it's and it's just kind of a foundation for them to sort of build that in future films anyway. So I give them slightly a bit of a pass there anyway. Uh, if it doesn't all sort of hold water, my biggest problem is like you said they just spend way too much time on Asgard and I have a I have problems with Asgard like I'm confused by how their society works they spend too much time on Asgard for me not to start questioning like how things work because you see all these peasants and people and they seem to be happy but at the same time they're in servitude and they're not immortals and they don't have powers but then like all the there's like this weird caste system that's never really explained it just is, and you're supposed to accept it. So it's like, so are the guys who are based off of, you know, that are like gods, are they just like the superheroes of this world? And in that case, is this like a a case of the superheroes actually take over the entire fucking, that entire realm and subjugate it to their sort of martial law? Because that seems like that's what's happening on Asgard to a certain degree. Like, you don't see the uh, de- dissident, the sort of dissidents 
being pulled in the alleys and murdered by like Thor on his days off and stuff like that. Right? <laughs> that that, that really has a lot of blood on it. Yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead, Gary. That's, that's a really valid point. Like just that I, that just, you know, just, you just kind of accept it, but like, yeah, the regular citizens, are they somehow super people too? Like, or are they just like you and me? Like, did, I don't think know. they are. And it's like, how many, there, there must be like dissidents in the society going like, you know what, Odin, you're full of shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, there, there's a movement for radical democracy happening just beneath the beneath the scenes, and they're they're all going to rally behind Heimdall if he could just get his head out of his ass. You know, that's that's really where Thor Ragnarok was going um, before Thor yeah. showed back up. That was but, the. Uh, you know. uh, I I do like that. Like um, Asgard is shown as being sort of like a multicultural. Uh, although, like the the Asian uh, guy of the Warriors Three, he's like a different race or something like that. Even in the comics, like that was established. Yeah, he's from, he's from one of the other realms or something. Yeah, yeah. But um, so I I do like some of this stuff, but I, I wish there was more. Actually, just more of the sort of romantic comedy because I like Portman in this. I like her relationship with Hemsworth. I think Hemsworth is fucking gold right from the start. I think he's great in this, and I think it's just funny, like the the. The stuff where they're, you know, just sort of the the sort of uh, comedy of manners or whatever, where, where everyone he's an alien and he doesn't understand Earth ways. Like he, he finishes his drink and smashes the fucking glass on the floor, and and Jane's like, "You can't fucking do that. You gotta like ask for another <laughs> drink." Just don't. And it's like, okay, I I swear I will not do that again. You know that kind of thing. I think that's. I, I, love how, I love how good-natured puppy dog Chris Hemsworth is in those sequences, you know, because we've seen a lot of the like bad version of the fish out of water comedies where it's just this sort of like, man, you just seem like an asshole, but like yeah. he's just like he's just clearly like, I'm sorry, I was just trying to be nice, you know. Well, I mean, Thor, Thor is an asshole in this film too. At the start, like he's he's this. But he's an asshole, but he's a charming asshole. I and and, and here's where I, I mean, the thing that this series has always gotten right, like. You know, from the beginning, I think, with the arguable exception of Edward Norton, which we discussed uh, in that mm-hmm. episode, is casting. Uh, they really do sort of they they have this almost mystical ability to find like the perfect actor to to embody they these characters. And I think Hemsworth, for any issues that I have with sort of the the creaking of the plot and the creaking kind of like there's just a lot of stuff happening and, it, and it's not always convincing to me. Hemsworth makes it work. Like he's both kind of this like kind of jerk wide to his dad and like this guy who this kind of king heir apparent kind of guy who's about to who's about to kind of rule the kingdom, but also a hothead. But then he's also charming and you get why, you know, like his buddies follow him and why they go to the ends of the earth for him. And then when he lands on earth, you kind of buy that like, oh, I'm a fish out of water. I'm kind of depressed over the lack of my, I mean, Hemsworth has real range. And I mean, as the series goes on, he's going to be probably, I mean, I wouldn't even say probably, he's definitely the the actor who has to do the most stuff. He's definitely the yeah. character who's going to change the most over the course of this series. And I think that that's, uh, I mean, that's totally based on Hemsworth getting bored with playing the the character as shown here. And so I think part of my difficulty in rewatching this is that I really, really, really love Thor Ragnarok. I mean, that is one of my like tops of this series for sure. Yeah. It and, has to shadow over a lot of the films in this. And and it, and, I, and I'm trying to kind of look back and see this film as it was. Um, but I think my my kind of fundamental thing plot wise is just that you know he kind of runs into Natalie Portman, he starts falling for her, and they have they have chemistry together. I mean, I, I kind of buy that. I mean, Portman is great because Portman's always great. I think she might be a bit miscast in terms of just kind of you know she's very smart. She's 
obviously gorgeous. She's very talented. She fits into that very well. I don't know that I buy her. I don't know that I buy her as like someone who would like fall for Thor that quickly, except she thinks he's super attractive, which obviously he is. <laughs> I almost wish that Natalie Portman and Kat Dennings had changed roles, but then you wouldn't get all the uh, Kat Dennings amazing uh, lines, which I mean, just she cracks me up like all the time. Like she was the, she was the one thing that was worth watching two broke girls for. <laughs> so, Mew Mew. Yeah. We got to go get Mew Mew. <laughs> she's just so great. Every time she's on the screen, she's got something funny to say. And it's uh, I, I do love that aspect to it. I just, I don't buy the sort of, he becomes worthy because he sacrifices himself to save the girl as that being like suddenly that makes him worthy to wield Mjolnir again. Like, that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of like almost I mean, like super contrived fantasy film bullshit. Kind of, he kind of sacrificed himself though to like save everybody, everybody in the town. Like the devastator thing was like just fucking destroying everything, and he like went up and was like, "Stop this." That's, but the thing that the thing that made him not worthy in the beginning was that he was not obeying kind of the dictates of like what it is to be a king. And like it wasn't like he wasn't willing to sacrifice himself necessarily because he was leading the charge in terms of going to battle. I mean, it just sort of it just feels slightly unmotivated. I mean, I, I agree that you can kind of read into it the way you want to read into it. And I mean, it, it, and again, the performances work. It's just sort of we for me, it's just I've seen the later films where they where they make this work a little bit better. I feel like like a lot of the Shakespearean stuff, like Black Panther does that now. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like this basic narrative of like, you know, Space Wizard comes to Earth and is a fish out of water and then, you know, finds their powers. I mean, that's Captain Marvel now. And so, you know, kind of, again, going back and I don't want to blame Thor for, you know, kind of having the things that it did in 2011 when they were still kind of figuring this out. But I think it's, it's, it's fair to kind of look at it and go, yeah, on the list of these films, I still think it I still think I still like it. Like I like it despite myself, but I also like it, it was really hard for me to kind of really get invested in it in the same way. Yeah. For me, a lot of the CGI stuff, like I, I guess it holds up. It's just kind of boring to me. It's just Thor killing all these frost giants that all look the same. It was like, okay, that's, that's fine. That's just, that's typical massive faceless army fight superhero stuff that you've seen in a lot of MCU films to come. I like but, the design of the big robot in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. I love that sequence. Yeah, that that's that's cool. I, I like how um, they think they've got it, where uh, Sif comes down with the spear and, and pins it to the ground by running it through, and it just slides its metal rings around and reforms standing up. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I thought that, that's, a, that's a cool idea. I kind of wonder, there, so there's a Stan Lee cameo in this, and uh, so there's this scene where uh, early on the townspeople go to check out uh, Molnir, and they're trying to lift it. We have to call it Mew Mew. We have to call it Mew Mew. Mew Mew. Mew Mew. We're going to find Mew Mew. Um, so he, so he, tra- so Stanley is revealed to be the truck driver trying to pull, pull it out of it, its hole. Is that some like stealth knock at Stanley that no one's ever admitted to where how he was kind of like back in the day, he was kind of shitty to fellow comic book creators. Like he's known as the, the nice big grandfatherly uh, nice guy, uncle sit Stan kind of thing now, but he has a bit of a shades of gray kind of history be- behind him. <laughs> so maybe he wasn't worthy because he was kind of a dick to people back in the day. <laughs> I don't know. I do like that. It sort of uh, introduces Hawkeye, which I think it, Hawkeye's unfairly shit upon 
by a, yep. by a lot of people. I think Jeremy Renner is great in the fucking role. And I love the Boilermaker scene where, uh, <laughs> where Stellan Starsguard and uh, Chris Hemsworth go to a fucking bar and they agreed, like, we're setting down the rules. Here's what's going to happen. You're not going to break Jane's heart and all this shit. And let's drink on it. And they get drunk. Apparently they get in a bar fight that we never see. Um, I, I wish we'd seen that fight. How, <laughs> how fun would it be to see just the chugging, the chugging. When they both start to drink. And they like, start drinking more. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. they're, they're looking going. at each and other. Like, yeah, that, that was great. That was great. It's like, can you out drink a Norse god? The answer is no. Mm. <laughs> even even one with only human level powers. You know? <laughs> He's still a big guy. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Thor probably like held back on as many drinks, and Stellan Skarsgård started getting really drunk, and then he got in the fight. And then Thor just kind of pulled his ass out of it. But <laughs> well, he had a little bit of a shiner on the side of his head, mm. if you remember. I mean, there, there were you know he he got a couple of good licks in at least. It was uh you know I, again I would have loved to have like actually gotten to see that, but I guess it's better to you know to, to not have it you know well, quite I mean, as uh... eventually you do see under like depowered Thor in a full on fight when he's trying to get to the hammer and mm-hmm. he, he holds his own without having superpowers pretty goddamn well. <laughs> yeah, he literally like I love Hawkeye's line, like I'm starting to like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> you better give me the order to shoot now. I'm starting to like this guy. I mean that's one of the better lines in the film. Um, yeah, honestly, he, beat, yeah. he beats like he beats he all beats these twenty guys. guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they're like the shield agents, so they should they should have some kind of training and stuff. And yeah, he just yeah, through. even even the toughest shield guy, he he managed to roll around the mud with Thor for a little bit, and then yeah. <laughs> to be forgetting his ass kick. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you're a big one. All right, I guess you, no problem. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm again, I'm I'm sort of middle of the road with this, but there's like a lot of nice things that sort of set up future stuff that I'm more interested in that I think pay off in future films. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, to be fair, I don't like actively dislike this i mean i would put it on again i you know it's perfectly entertaining um but you know just in the in the sense of like having something to talk about in the sense of you know having a a conversation about it i think you know you you can i can i can see the development hell written all over this you know in, mm-hmm. in the sense of a lot of those films tend to have a whole bunch of elements kind of dropped in like it's got the fish out of water story it's got the Shakespearean stuff. It's got the romantic comedy bit. It's got the you know the 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 kind of uh, shield stuff. And there's a bunch of shield stuff in this. I mean, there's probably more shield stuff in this than probably anything up through um, Captain America two. Really, yeah, I mean, probably, I think there's. Yeah, I mean, it's probably got the most like kind of shield time uh, of any of them. I love uh, Agent Coulson in this. I think he's he's. I mean, he's one of the. Uh, I mean, he's he's both a beloved character and a, a sort of like undersung. I think because he. He leaves the franchise so so early, um, but um, yeah, no. Um, Carrie, um, any any uh, thoughts about like casting or any other, any other things that we've talked about that you'd like to uh, well, like I said, mention? Yeah, I think the casting was bang on for everybody. Again, like Natalie Portman could have been kind of any generic pretty girl. They, really. they kind of they kind of do that in this series. I mean, like Rachel McAdams later on is just yeah. kind of like the, the again, like, very talented, very attractive woman that they just kind of slot into that role. I you feel know? like, like uh, Anthony Hopkins as Odin. Perfect. Uh, with his wife, whose name I can't think of. She's Renee like, Russo. Also did a great job. Yep. And really undersung because yeah, she just, doesn't have much to do, but like well, uh, she did a lot more know. in the second movie. Yeah, sure. no, no, yeah, no. But yeah, this like it's, I, I, it's not like one of my favorite. Like if I had to list all the Marvel movies, this probably wouldn't even break the top five, but it might be the top ten. 
because there's like 20 of them so there's enough to make that kind of list but <laughs> right it's, it's, it's enjoyable you know it's it's again I've, I've seen it probably 10 times at this point and i'm probably i'll watch it again sometime in the future but yeah it's I, I, will, I will I will say those child actors they had for Thor and Loki were fucking on point. They looked just like fucking Hemsworth. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That was that. <laughs> so I was, I was pretty cool with that. Although <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, I guess the CGI technology wasn't that great back then. He was still the uh, sort of broken down, portly Anthony Hopkins, just with you know some uh, Grecian five in his fucking hair or whatever, or just for men or whatever the fuck it is. But, uh, <laughs> and I mean, as great as Anthony Hopkins is, this is just one of those those roles where he just walks in and kind of sleepwalks through it. And it is still very, very credible. One of the trivia things is he just jokes, it's a joke he made, like where him and uh, Hemsworth saw each other in their armor and they get, well, I guess there's no acting required here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> So. I I really loved uh, Hemsworth, you know, kind of in his uh, uh, in his like uh, grunge wear or whatever in the in the kind of regular uh, clothes that he wears, and then suddenly you know he gets his powers back, and then he, you know he's in the full costume again, and it's like wow, this is you know it's definitely not the, the quite the same costume we're going to see him in in kind of the later films. I mean, it does feel like kind of the earlier version, but it is like oh no, this is Thor again. Yeah. It's like, how do I look? And Natalie Portman's like, oh, you look great. And it's like, I want to fuck you so hard. That's Even the CGI with that one, his armor all comes back to him and stuff. That was pretty freaking well done. Oh, yeah. What did we think of the, um, I mean, I mentioned earlier, what do we think of like the, the twister and everything, the, the fight scene in the, in the desert? It's fine. I, it's more interesting than the uh, fight with the uh, frost trolls. Like at least, at least you can focus a bit more on what's going on, and it's not all dark. Like the frost troll stuff is like super dark, and yeah. Uh, one lesson I think they learned for uh, certainly the third film was to set that stuff at in the daylight where you can see it a little bit better. Like I, I do like the effect of the like the rainbow bridge road sort of thing, mm-hmm. and it looks. I mean, it looks really nice in the dark, but it's also kind of hard to quite make out at least on the small screen i should say i say small screen but i have this giant digital television now um but uh, i i would uh, i didn't see this on the big screen it would be interesting to uh, to have seen it that way and to see how if it's if it's a little bit easier to to make out some of that and um some of the stuff at the beginning i mean it does feel like you know that stuff where it is really dark and it's kind of like quick cut you know uh, action stuff. It, there was this kind of thing at that time of you know this kind of like post Lord of the Rings. We're going to cast our our uh, fantasy battles and and darkness and you mm-hmm. know um, and and a little bit of that goes a long way for me. Um, I think it's I think it's well done. And I think you can tell what's going on, and I think that speaks to Branagh some because this was directed by Kenneth Branagh, yeah. which is one of those like well you know if you're gonna if you're gonna make it cast you know give, give it to Kenneth Branagh I guess but uh you know it does it does speak to his talent as a director that that it is kind of clear what's happening at any given time but um it doesn't th- there's no like kind of big action moment that speaks to me here you know in terms of except for um stabbing the uh the big robot through the back of the head <laughs> yeah. um oh and that great line you know oh is this one of Starks I don't know he doesn't call me <laughs> yeah <laughs> but really I think yeah as far as the fights go there really wasn't any like super big climactic fucking memorable fight scene really it, it just just kind of felt like it was all going to go the way you think it's going to go like that's just kind yeah. of 
it's kind of pedestrian, I guess, is the best way. To yeah, and that's and that's kind of the, the the little bit, you know, because I always love these films for having that like perfect moment, you know, like that there's some great thing that you kind of walk away from. That's like the the splash panel, like the splash page, and the, you know, and there's that great moment that that's memorable, and there's very little that's memorable for me in this um except for you know again <laughs> the fish out of water stuff and cat dennings like i was literally like you know one of the issues for me is like coming back to this is that i got some of the plot elements of the first two thor films confused like i was mm-hmm. watching this like doesn't natalie portman go to go to asgard no that's not the sequel <laughs> like completely forgot that she she doesn't get to asgard in the first one um which you know i only saw it once so you know that's just kind of the reality but yeah Maybe the perfect moment moment here is actually the fact that uh, Stellan Starsgard doesn't sexually harass his two hot uh, students. <laughs> Stellan Starsgard actually a decent professor, actually yeah. a decent you know principal investigator. That's that's the that's the key. What you want in an academic is <laughs> a Norwegian a Norwegian man, um, a Scandinavian man who will not harass his his coworkers. That's because that's what they're usually known for. <laughs> I guess we're, I mean, I feel like, you know, we've been going for 30 minutes or so. This, I mean, these are meant to be a little bit shorter, uh, but um, any, any, any other thoughts, Carrie, anything you'd like to add? Uh, particular no, moments that you, that you really like or didn't like or. Uh, no, like nothing. Again, nothing really kind of jumps out at me as far as that go. Like the, the ending, uh, after credit scene, this one was kind of weird where Loki's like in the doctor guy or playing the doctor. Oh, right. Guy. He's playing, he's playing Stellan Sarsgaard's character. Yeah. yeah. That was kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, and that's just leading us towards the Avengers and that's kind of the thing that we're, that we're kind of pointing for towards at this point. I mean, in a lot of ways, Thor, Iron Man 2 and um, Captain America are really just setting up the Avengers, which is going to be the kind of big thing. And yeah. uh, I mean, we'll get there in a couple episodes, but <laughs> you know, that's the way it goes. Well, they, 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 the whole setup thing, like again, like compared to DC before the Justice League came out, like there yeah. is no comparison kind of thing. Like, oh no, no, no! I mean, you know, in time, but they did they took some time and they did it right. As a kind of a building block that leads to the Avengers, I think it works pretty well. Um, I think it, I think it, you know, it's setting up. Well, one of the weird things for me is that like the things that it thinks we need to like spend time on versus the things we don't like. It doesn't give us any. I don't remember there being any like real explanation of Mimu, for instance. You know that the you know what it does and how and it's just sort of like it's just sort of part of the pop culture dynamic that we're just expected to know that like nobody can lift Thor's hammer but Thor. And I mean, we see they, it demonstrated, but it just you know it's a like bit more explanation like in the future films. But yeah, this one I'll get. Yeah, there is really is no like it can fly and it always comes back to him. And right, lightning with it, but like. Yeah, there is a brief. Yeah. There is a brief, like you can kind of say, like scientificy kind of explanation, at least for the not being able to pick it up thing. If you combine it a little bit with magic, whereas the hammer is actually forged in a dying sun, so like the mass of the hammer, you could sort of yeah, it's supposed it. to be like made out of neutron star material or something, but it doesn't explain how like Thor can lift it, and it doesn't it doesn't give us the rules of that. It just expects us to just sort of like you see him like flipping the hammer early in the film like to impress a girl, and you know like that's just oh, okay, yeah, it's just the thing. No, it's just, it's just you like, know? It's- society it's it's big brother it's not explaining anything well it doesn't feel like it needs to explain that but we spend a ton of time with like the frost giants who do they even come back they don't don't come back in thor 2 do they 
elves, dark elves, or the something. dark elves in the in the second one, and that's like some ancient. I don't. I have very few memories of Thor too. Um, so we'll get to that one when we get to it. Um, but I mean, it is like you know the the thing is that like working out this alliance between the Frost Giants and and the Asgardians seems like oh yeah that would be a plot thread I'd like to see explored, and then ultimately we just kind of leave it like we've never come back to it in the last eight years which you know i mean they're, they're doing other things but you know again it just kind of feels like i don't know it just sort of there's a lot that there's a lot that works and there's a lot that just kind of feels like yeah you, we, we just kind of dropped that didn't we but yeah you know but um yeah overall well, I think when it's made like the fact that we're reviewing it like so far after the fact kind of thing a lot of the things it it does that are now kind of tropes or like cliches and stuff weren't quite as Cliche right, right. Thor came out, but one of the things we said about, or one of the things I said about the Incredible Hulk was that it feels very much like a movie made in two thousand eight. That um, you know, in so many of the tropes and so much, it, like it feels very of that era, which kind of feels refreshing to kind of see now, like before we kind of like hammered into this formula. Whereas I feel like Thor very much feels like a film of twenty eleven. But it feels less nice to me. And maybe that's just kind of rewatching it and just kind of knowing I was going to prep for the podcast and kind of, you know, like I really do kind of give these films a big pass in a lot of ways because I just like them. <laughs> um, and so um, I don't know. I was I was maybe looking for something to be a little bit more critical of. But, um, yeah, uh, Lee, final thoughts? Yeah, it's it's fine. It, for me, it's sort of – and it, it's it's hard to like – I don't think there there is like – one movie in in this entire MCU franchise that's actually actively bad or anything like that is, I mean, on on the surface anyway, it's not actively bad, and I think this is kind of like mid level, like it, it's it's better than a couple of the others, but it it, it is mid level, point to bottom, uh, but there's entertaining stuff, it sets up good stuff, and I have no real problems with. I wasn't bored watching it, I, I kind yeah. of enjoyed it. Like I like I like all the actors in it, so like yeah. I can keep watching just on that basis alone. All right. Well, um, Carrie, tell us where we can find you on the internet. Um, I am on the YouTubes. Or not on the internet. If you'd like to dox yourself, you could do yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> stalk me. Stalk me. Um, I'm on YouTube under Redbeard. Spell beard, B-E-E-R-D, because I do beer reviews and play video games and fun stuff like that. Yeah. Awesome. Lee, where can we find you? You can find me at uh, tmbdos.podbean.com, where you can find our uh, Big Brother podcast. Uh, not a podcast about Big Brother, but uh, they must be destroyed on site. And uh, you can find all of our other podcasts, including this one there. Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this, I assume you know they must be destroyed on site. But uh, who knows? Oh, um, I don't know. Are these going up on YouTube? We do. We should get YouTube no. comments on these. Okay, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not putting this on YouTube. Fuck that. That's a that's a that's a gag from our other podcast, which you will understand if you listen to us talk for a couple more hours a week. Um, I'm Daniel. You can find me at Daniel Lee Harper on Twitter um, or at uh, tmbdos.podbean.com. I'm also on that most of the time. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks to my uh, guests and co-hosts for showing up and talking about this movie. And um, next time we are going to be covering uh, the first Avenger, which uh, I think Lee and I are going to disagree most strongly on of any film that we're going to do it certainly in phase one. Um, so uh, look forward to that when we get around to recording it. Thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. You have been listening to Cape Shit. For other episodes, please visit tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you, drive through.